Hi, I'm Jeff Teresi, and this poem's titled A Beautiful Spectrum. I don't literally take things, but I take things literally. Though I'm fully functional, I still struggle considerably. Words get stuck off the tip of my tongue, ceaselessly just out of reach, imprisoning me in some type of figure of freedom of speech. I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Nonverbal cues are many times missed or deplorably misread. How can two communicate when one can't translate what's being said? Hi, right, folks. I hope you're having a good day today. Let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must know that I am not a doctor psychiatrist. If your son or daughter is diagnosed with autism, please see a physician, at least based on my experiences. I also own the rights to this intro and outro. The intro was by Jeff Teresi and freesound.com. I also have some paid for the following. I'm going to give a shout out to Farm Bureau. I want to give a big thank you to my man, Brandon Barrett, at Farm Bureau in Bedford, Indiana. He gave a very generous donation to help me build my podcast and business. This is in there today for all your insurance needs. Please check out Castor Kids as well. Brandon and his wife run this fishing charity and help many kids over the years. Right now, they're looking for kids to join. If you know someone with a disability that would love to fish, let us know. We're Brandon Baird at Farm Bureau Insurance in Bedford, Indiana. This event will be held on August 14th. And I give them to Steve Miller and Angel Shear. These two have been behind me 100%. Check out Stephen Miller Tax Service stay in Bloomington, Indiana. I know tax season is over, but there are late filings too. The tax service will take care of you, so call them today. Also, I got the full experience at PALS in Bloomington, Indiana. PALS is a nonprofit therapeutic ride center for people with disabilities, veterans, senior citizens, and at-risk youth. The therapeutic power of horses can offer many physical, emotional, and social benefits for a diverse population. My lesson was amazing. Jamie Springer, who's an instructor, was fabulous. I was able to learn all the gear to ride a horse. I brushed the horse, and by the end of the riding session, I was riding the horse all on my own. Christina Arthur is a lead instructor, and to Christina, lead instructor herself, when I read the PALS mission on the website, I realize that our missions are basically the same. PALS wants to promote joy, quality of life, better health, and empowerment by providing therapeutic programs with horses. But listen to this. They also want to provide a caring, safe, and challenging environment. They want to foster growth and individual achievement of all participants that will enable them to reach their highest potential. The key words here are highest potential. Like my Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast, PALS is trying to show that no matter what, human beings have something to offer society, and they will help me show what they can do. Our audience is not only similar, but we are both trying to change one lesson and one episode at a time. I also have some people to think. I want to give a thank you to Mick Foley and see 135 Gain Hardcore with Mick Foley for more information on that. But I want to thank because he sent a tweet about Autism Rocks and Rolls. Keep being awesome, buddy. And I'm going to Fowler's Pumpkin Patch for a great music show. Check them out this fall, The Dynamics at Their Farm. And to Josh's Crazy Socks, check out this amazing company. You will not be sorry. John's Crazy Socks is a father-son social enterprise inspired by John Lee Cronin, a young man with Down syndrome, and his love of colorful and fun socks are what he calls his crazy socks. They are on a mission to spread happiness. Every day, they show what's possible when you give a person with a different ability a chance. Over half their employments have different abilities. And going to Dr. Gene Hess. Thank you for the fantastic advice, and we can't wait to work with you. And I go to, to Gabriel Medina and Deborah Ruffalo at a networking event that I went to. Thanks for all of your information. And I go to Robert Rosenthal. We met this guy also at the network. He is a distributor of Send a Car, an easy way to send an, an appreciation card to someone. He once owned a hotel in New Jersey, worked with President Nixon, owned a nightclub with Sammy Davis Jr., and at one time he rode a motorcycle from New York to California. Check out the business he works for, Send a Card. And to Joseph E. Reed, check out his book, Broke Like Me, an insider's toolkit for many broken people. And thank you to the five people who had me on their podcast. 
Sam Hutches from the Hope for Xavier Foundation, Chad Smith from the Battle Warrior Podcast, Richard Matthews from the Hero Show Podcast, Mark Lee from the Straight Talk Podcast, Kia Lee from the Bombshell 111 Podcast, and Terrence Joseph from the T-Corner Podcast. What an amazing podcast to be on. Check them out. I'm also holding a network event called the Ability Speed Networking. We are all different, and this is beautiful. I have met lots of people so far throughout my journey as a podcaster and entrepreneur. Let's all spend two hours simply chatting and let's help each other, whether this be professionally or mentally. Let's make connections to help our business grow and enjoy ourselves. It will be fun. It will be August 10th at 7 p.m. Check out my website for more details or get tickets. Also, I had a birthday celebration. I turned 19. So thank you, everyone, who wished me a happy birthday. We also have a brand new website, autismrocksandrolls.com. So check it out. And thank you to all about merchandise. We sell lots of sales, so make sure to get some. Now, before we start, we need to hear a quick ad about Wellspring Paint Solutions. So let's get to it. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Glasscott from the Glass in the Afternoon radio program on News Sports Talk 98.7 and AM 1370 and WGCLradio.com. And on behalf of Wellspring Paint Solutions, they're happy to partner with Sam Mitchell and the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. Wellspring Pain Solutions applauds Sam's mission statement to eliminate the stigma associated with autism. Here's what we want you to do. Check out the website, wellspringpainsolutions.com. You'll find out which of the four locations is closest to you. You'll get a chance to meet their team of providers and all the services offered at Wellspring. When you're there, now the fun really begins. You'll find the link to Sam's website where you'll find all his podcasts, background information on his guests, as well as all the merch in his merchandise store. You'll be amazed. You'll have fun. You'll enjoy it. All we ask you to do is take a listen and spread the word that autism rocks and rolls. All right, folks, they are back. I don't you be too nervous to meet these fine people. Now, folks, today we got something new. We have a brand new person on the show named Jeff Teresi. Jeff Teresi is a coach and a speaker but he also has autism. His wife was on the verge of divorce. He got tested for autism and he sure has used it for great abilities. So welcome, Jeff. And how are you doing? Well, thank you for having me, Sam. I'm extremely grateful to be here and happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. And I'm glad for you to be here too. So my first question to you is what does having autism mean to you? Well, that is a great question. I strongly believe that being on the spectrum is not a disability. It's just a different ability. And so having autism is merely recognizing that our brain is wired a certain way that leads to having specific strengths and struggles. Yeah, we all have specific strengths and struggles, though. You mentioned that it is a different ability. We all are different, not less, but aren't we all disabled, you think, sometimes? In certain ways, we are all deficient, absolutely. I think so, too. Now, what were your initial thoughts when you learned you had autism? Well, I actually learned I had autism in 2016, and I was initially surprised and had absolutely no idea. Then I was relieved and felt hope that there was a reason I was struggling the way that I did. Um, because before learning I had autism, as you had mentioned in the intro, my wife and I almost got divorced because we were just unable to communicate with each other. And while we still struggle with this today, it's much more manageable. How did it become much more manageable, in your opinion? Well, we basically just learned... There were certain ways that I functioned better and operated better and able to communicate better. And so she was able to take that knowledge and be very aware of the things that she was doing so I could understand what she was saying. Uh, one of the biggest things for me, though, was asking clarifying questions. Right. And I think and sometimes we do have to clarify questions, which I'll get into here in a little bit. But, but for now, I want to know, how do you think an autistic brain operates? Well, I can't speak for anyone else on the spectrum because, as you've probably heard, 
if you met one person on the spectrum, you've met one person on the spectrum. So we're all unique in our own ways. But for me, my brain operates in such a way that makes me be able to become fiercely focused on one thing at a time. And so I can also easily become overstimulated and want to shut down. But I found that I work really well with structure, systems, rules, and routine. Yes, and I do too. I've done my TED Talk on soul structure. And I'll explain more, but I know how you feel with that totally. I felt that way myself. Now, what is the most rewarding and most difficult thing about having autism? That's a really good question. I think the most rewarding aspect of being on the spectrum for me is I'm able to see things differently than most, which lends to me being able to be super creative in my writing. It actually led to me creating a specific style of poetry, in fact, that I call cubed poetry, which I can talk about in more detail if you like. Go right ahead. And so basically, I was writing poetry for quite a while, and I just figured, oh, it just has to rhyme. But I never really knew when the poem was finished. And so all of a sudden, it clicked for me. And so the cubed poetry just has two rules. Number one, each pair of lines must rhyme. And number two, the number of spoken syllables in each line must equal the total number of lines. And a syllable is just a unit of spoken language without interruption. And so, for example, the word syllable, syllable has three syllables in it. And so oh. just to give you an example, let's say the first line of a poem has 14 syllables in it. That means there's 14 in every line and a total of 14 lines total. Wow, that's and, a really good shortcut with poetry. I don't even think of that. And there's one nuance, though. It can't just rhyme for the sake of rhyming. It actually has to have a deep impact and meaning and flow to it. So hopefully you experience a new inspiration and a new awareness. And that's what gives it the extra dimension and goes from being squared 14 by 14 to being cubed, which would be 14 by 14 by 14. So I'm also super into numbers. <laughs> I can tell. I'm not that way. I, I'm the English brain. I'm never the math brain. Trust me. Okay, cool. I'll, do, I'll just do basic math. Two plus two equals four, but that's all I'm doing. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Now, what advice would you give to someone who just learned they had autism? I think it's important to reiterate the fact that it's not a disability, it's just a different ability. And so to really recognize that you have your own strengths and to embrace those strengths that come with it. Now, you also mentioned talking about clarifying questions. So why is it important for someone who is not neurotypical, like someone who is like my mother or my father, to clarify questions for people like us. I would say that a lot of people not on the spectrum take speaking nuances for granted, like sarcasm and figures of speech and tonality and being able to express emotions in nonverbal ways. And so by asking clarifying questions, it allows us to make sure that they're meaning what we think they mean. And if it's not what they mean, by asking those questions, we can ask clarifying questions even further to get to the point of what they're actually meaning. Because a lot of times people say something and I think they mean something, but they're actually meaning something totally different or possibly the exact opposite, especially when sarcasm comes into play. Yeah. So sarcasm is hard for me to understand. And I'll admit, I know when I'm being sarcastic myself, but I don't know when others are being sarcastic. I'll be honest with you. It's difficult sometimes to tell because I think, you really thought I was an idiot? Really? And you're my best <laughs> exactly, friend. Yeah. I've been there before. Oh my gosh. Now, you talked about being diagnosed briefly, so name the top five feelings you felt after you were diagnosed. Yeah, uh, surprised, scared, relieved, hopeful, and excited, I would say. All right. I say those are pretty good emotions. Why would you say you felt all those emotions together? At first, I had absolutely no idea that I was possibly on the spectrum, and so that's why I was surprised. Uh, I was a little bit scared because I didn't really know what that meant. 
But then when I learned what it meant, I was relieved because then I thought, well, there's actually hope for this relationship and there's something we can actually do about it. And so that led to the hopefulness and being hopeful actually leads to me being super excited because now we can actually do something with it. Right. I'm glad you can do something with it at the end of the day. Did you originally think you have autism or did you think it was like some fully different, like a different disorder? Yeah, it actually, I never even crossed my mind to be on the spectrum. I should say my wife had expressed to one of her friends the issues we were having and her friend's husband happens to be on the spectrum and has Asperger's too. And so she mentioned that it was worth looking into. And so I ended up seeing a specialist that deals with folks on the spectrum. And sure enough, that's what it was. But did you really like, did you think, oh my God, it was autism? Or did you think, well, man, what could this be? Is this ADHD or? It bewildered me because I couldn't understand why I couldn't understand our communication styles. Just, it was almost as if we were talking completely different languages. Okay, then let me things ask didn't, I wasn't able to remember things and they didn't stick. Not like the little stick, right? Where you had to get the stick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good clarifying question. You're welcome. You said also routine and structures have helped you. So what is the vocabulary of routine and structure in your own words? I'd say that routine is a developed pattern or habits that you've become comfortable with that work well for you. And I'd say structure is just a framework for doing things. And so the tricky part is finding a balance between having too much structure and no structure at all. Because without structure, for me, the world seems very chaotic. Uh, but at the same time, I want to be flexible enough to be able to be spontaneous and not too rigid with the way I live and possibly miss out on some fun new adventure. Sure, definitely. That's with me. I'm, I'm an adventurous type person. And you know, I like the actually the adventures with structure. Let me give you an example. Zip lining. Zip lining has structure to it. You're going from point A, point B, point C, point D, and you got all these fun adventures seeing different views of the world and seeing in different parts of a forest or parts of a city. And it's just, man, it's really cool, it, but it's all structured. That's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. And that's why I'm also a fan of like amusement parks because you go, okay, we're going to the Raven because I always like to follow the amusement park in order. Like we're going to the Raven, go to the Scrambler. Now we're going here. Create a structure like, okay, here's what we do. Dry rides first, go to the water park, do the wet rides, play the games, and then we shop. I've always followed that routine ever since I was a little kid and went to that amusement park. That's a great way to do things because then not only do you get to experience all the things you want to experience, but you can do it in a way that it's efficient so you can hit all the points so you don't miss anything. Bingo. That's exactly why. I love it. Have you Thank ever gone skydiving or bungee jumping? I want to bad. My mother will yeah, not those take are, me. Those are extremely exhilarating. Oh, I, that's my favorite. I'm begging her. Trust me. I haven't gotten there yet, but I'll, I'll pull her legs eventually. Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. Tell us how routines and structure have helped you through some tough times. Many mornings when I wake up, it's almost as if I experience a reset. And so I'm not sure what to think or I'm feeling a bit down or depressed. And so one of my morning habits is reciting affirmations and writing in my gratitude journal. So for example, each morning I remind myself that I have nothing to worry about and nothing to fear. And that when I focus on my breathing and fix my mind and empowering thoughts, nothing and no one can steal my peace. No, no one can steal your peace. You are the only person that's in control of your peace, really. Well I, it reminds me of this too. If you watch Kung Fu Panda 2, do you think you have what they call inner peace? I would say it's a struggle from day to day, but for the most part, yes. <laughs> I don't know if I have inner peace. I was saying a speech, my last speech I spoke in a couple of days ago, I said, well, I'm always ADHD mode because fun fact for all the listeners and fun fact for you, if you don't know, I have ADHD. So I'm always like wanting to do something. 
I don't have the power uh, just to relax. Like if right now, if I was just sitting at the screen, just staring, I'd be like, this is boring. This is bogus. Uh-huh. Doing something, even when I'm sitting or just doing something when I'm standing and just moving my arms and jumping jacks, whatever the case thing may be, I have to do something in my opinion. Otherwise, but do you feel at peace I, while I, you're doing those things? Oh yeah. That's the best okay. part of it. I, enjoy, I would say like, then you have inner peace. It's just a matter of knowing, doing other things. I don't think having inner peace means not doing something. Yeah, I think you do have inner peace. I, I hope I do. I hope I get inner peace as I get older. And Yeah, you know, you know yourself very well. I'd say that's one of the things I love about you, Sam, is you're unapologetically yourself. Here's the deal. I've been through too much. And after you go through so much, there goes a breaking point. And your like carrying meter just goes down, down, down to empty. So... It's kind of like the, it went empty for a good reason. Yeah, you got to be mindful of where your, your tank is. <laughs> yes, you and, do. And no ways to fill it back up. Now, how have routines changed throughout your life from like just now, from before you had a baby, from now before you had a family? How they changed? Well, I'd say I've become much more flexible with my schedule as I've gotten older. But the best example is actually just in the last six months of having the baby, not getting a normal amount of sleep was extremely difficult for me. And it still is. But what I did is I added naps into my day routine to help compensate. And so it's just a matter of recognizing that some routines work during some times, some seasons, and sometimes you need to switch it up. Would you say you created many routines like this is routine one, routine two, routine three? Have you done done that before? So there was a time when I planned so much that actually impact me be able to fulfill my plan because I worked on the plan so much. And so I literally had my entire day scheduled out and it was extremely hard to be able to follow on a daily basis um, without getting bored by the same schedule. And so for me personally, I love having the flexibility and be able to switch things up. Yeah, I do too, to a point. You know, if it's like set in stone, like if it's something valuable to me, I'm pretty rigid with it. I'm like, like podcasting example. I'm like, nope, not changing it. Good luck trying to. I mean, I do yeah. bend every once in a while, but when it comes to podcasting, no, good luck trying. The morning routine is most important. First thing I get up is writing in my gratitude journal and doing those affirmations. And my nighttime routine is super important to me too. I believe uh, how you start your day and how you end your day are so very important. And what happens in the middle is can be a little bit more flexible for me. And since I've been on summer break, it's been a little less routine. Like I can never get up at 10 a.m. now, like before I got out of school. Trust me, I get uh-huh. in trouble for it. But I am a lot more flexible with many other situations than I once was. Now, I have a question about your childhood. So during your childhood, can you think of any instances where you thought, hmm, this may be autism looking back at your childhood? Yeah, one comes to mind when I was at a bowling alley and afterwards we went to get a hamburger and a malt and I accidentally poured too much malt into the glass and my stepmom yelled, lick the side of the glass, lick the side of the glass because it was overflowing. And so instead of licking the top of the outside, which is what she meant, I literally licked the side of the glass, which led to lots of laughter. And they thought I was doing it to be funny, but that's what I thought she actually meant. And so I told my wife about that last night, just remembering, and she felt sorry for me because I was doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing and they thought I was just trying to be funny. And so that's happened uh, quite a few times in my childhood, I would say. They need say. to but- clarify. They should have clarified it. <laughs> exactly. It just happens so fast. <laughs> it does happen fast. When you get malt spilled on you, you better be like, oh boy. Okay. 
I don't want to get, you know, wet. And that's one of my biggest problems with sensory issues. Do you have any sensory issues? Yeah, I don't like having uh, sticky hands. That's for sure. Oh, you know, I guess you don't like syrup on your pancakes, I'm guessing. I don't mind it on my pancakes, but I don't want it on my hands. <laughs> well, I'm just saying when you pour the syrup, you know, some syrup can touch your hands. Oh, yes. I actually make sure to wipe that off right away. And, and there are some sounds and some some materials that just really don't feel good or don't feel right to me. Yeah, I don't have shirt. as many sensory issues. Yeah, a wet shirt is my, my biggest one. I can't wear wet clothes, a wet shirt. It's like a pinchy feeling. It's like, oh, okay. Bill's thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Really uncomfortable. All right, now, Jeff, we're going to have to mute you again because we got an ad for Little Blue's Tattoos. So, if you don't mind, thank you very much, and let's hear it. Visit Little Blue's Tattoos to get inked at 3870 W3rd Street, Bloomington, Indiana, 47404. Or call them at 812-332-8282. They are the best in town. Their work is exceptional, and I promise you, you'll get an excellent tattoo. All right, folks, and we're back. And, yes, check them out because even though it's – a little blues tattoos, you're going to get the good blues feeling. All right. Now for Jeff, I want, I was curious when I looked at your website, you, you talked about breaking through your next breakthrough. So what does this phrase mean exactly in your opinion? Or can you define oh, that phrase for us? Absolutely. So breaking through to your next big breakthrough basically means level up, leveling up in life, both professionally and personally, whatever area where you feel stuck, where you've like hit a wall or hit a ceiling, you're not quite sure what to do. It's being able to break through that barrier and get to that next level. Yes, it's uh, it's trying to go to the next level of the next video game. You're trying to go to the boss battle and beat the boss. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Thank you. Now, is there any times you had to use this quote? I actually use it quite often as it's the theme of my YouTube channel. It's always helping people to break through the next big breakthrough. And so every single week, I try to come out with another video that helps them in some way to get to that next level. Okay, now how can we do it though? Like how can I break through my next breakthrough? How can my family break through their next breakthrough? How can my best friend break through their next breakthrough? How can anyone break through their next breakthrough? Well, I actually wrote a book on that subject titled The Seven Key Abilities, How to Succeed Seven Days a Week. And first it begins with recognizing what success is. Um, Because I think a lot of people mistake success as a destination uh, when in reality, it's a way of life. It's about being able to consistently make choices that bring joy and meaning to your life and the lives of others. And so specifically breaking through to your next big breakthrough involves three different things. Uh, Number one is cultivating and creating and connecting. And so we want to cultivate a thankful heart, an empowered mind, and encouraging connections so that we can courageously and confidently create a clarified calendar and an inviting environment so we can then courageously connect with ongoing growth and a purpose-filled plan. And when you have those seven elements in place, I think you're absolutely setting yourself up to break through, to breakthrough after breakthrough. Yes, sir. I think that answers a lot of my questions, believe it or not. But we'll get on to that because on the seven things you said with your book, I don't just spoil the book, but can you give us a little preview of it? Like a little something about it? Like I know it's the seven key abilities. You kind of listed them already, but. Yeah. So I can give you an example. Let's say an empowered mind. The key to cultivating empowered mind is creating a concrete standard that can be held up against any thought to determine whether it's worth thinking or not. For example, asking yourself, is this thought going to help me be my best self? Is this thought going to help me be my best self? If not, 
We need to call it out as the stinking thinking that it is and immediately replace it with an empowering belief. Right. And you got to have that right mindset in order to become your best self. Absolutely. That's why it's all about believing in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And I'll be honest, I've heard negativity most of my life. And that's a hard thing for me half the time. Mm. Because you've been told you're slow, you're dumb, you're wrong half the time. And now Mm -hmm. you're just starting to hear some good. And I'll be honest with you, it feels weird in so many ways. Yeah, it's so unfortunate that we're used to hearing those negative things when there's so many things that can help us. And so it's just a matter of recognizing, is this thought hindering me or is it helping me? Is it creating a barrier or a bridge? And just being aware of that is where to start. And then continually implanting and infusing those empowering thoughts that help you to get to that next level. And with earlier, you said with all those thankful heart, empowered mind, encouraging connections, all that, why is that important to an audience when you speak? Being in sales, I found that having those seven things in place have helped me personally break through to my next big breakthrough. But what I love about the book is those can help anyone and they're skills that can be learned by anyone. And so it's not just a specific set of people that can benefit from those elements, but absolutely everyone can. It's just a matter of knowing about them. And so I want to make people aware that they have that ability. Yeah. Anyone has certain abilities. It may not be what society calls a normal ability, but they got an ability. You just got to find it. Absolutely. Now I am curious, you you talking about speaking. So what got you into speaking or into motivational speaking? Well, that's a great question. And so I actually sold Cutco cutlery throughout college And it ended up more than paying for my college. And when I was going to sales conferences, I was hearing motivational speakers such as Matthew Kelly and Hal Elrod. And then I would look up other motivational speakers such as Zig Ziglar and Brendan Burchard. And they made such a big impact on my life. I wanted to be able to do the same for others. Being very introspective and introverted, it was one of those things where I thought to myself, I don't really know if I'm able to do that. But I push myself and I try to get better at speaking all the time. And um, step by step, it eventually became to where I am now. Yeah. And you seem like you're in a good spot for where you are, really. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Of course. Now, so you talk about cutlery and selling. I got to be honest. Why did you decide to sell cutlery? What's so special about kitchen tools, in your opinion? Well, Cutco cutlery is the absolute highest quality cutlery. And so it's an absolute pleasure to be able to offer that to people. But before I went into selling cutlery, I was actually a telemarketer. And what I learned in telemarketing is how to overcome rejection. And when I got a letter in the mail, being able to come in for an interview to sell Cutco, when I saw the things it was able to do, I was so impressed by it that I'm like, oh my gosh, I can totally do this. So I started to have sales presentations in home. And at first I did not do very well at all, but I recognized that it was a numbers game. And just kept pushing through until I build my customer base to a point where I'm able to now support my family by working just 10 hours a week. And then the rest of the time, I'm able to actually grow my speaking business. What do you mean by it's a numbers game? I don't understand what you mean by that exactly. Oh, that's a great question. And so on average, a person will tell you no five times before they tell you yes. I actually learned that in a sales training. And so recognizing that when someone tells you no, Don't take it personally. Just recognize that you can offer something else. And if they say no again, 
you can offer something else and you kind of work your way down. Is that exactly. where you're going at? You're so basically, going going. I'd offer a huge set and maybe they couldn't afford it or they don't need everything. So then I'll offer a smaller set until it fits their price point and it handles all their objections. And the other thing is there's some people that will just say no, no matter what. Some people will say yes, no matter what. And the other 80%, it's just a matter of giving them the right information to be able to make an informed decision. Right. And, and so, but sometimes it's hard because you keep giving them that information and they still say no, because rejection is hard. You get mm -hmm. the rug pulled under you and it's just like, man, you fell through the trap door. Yeah, I actually made a video on how to deal with rejection, a YouTube video a couple months ago. And so I think that it's important to recognize that there's two ways you can deal with rejection. You can allow it to make you bitter or you can allow it to make you better. Yes, you can. It can make you bitter or better. And I have chosen the better. I think Others are chosen bitter, but I can't hold grudges because, like I said, I've been through too much to hold grudges. And you're at that point where your meter just does not care. Yeah, you don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't you have, have time things for that anymore. Do. Not anymore. I, I've learned to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the other thing with the numbers game is just recognizing that if I make 20 phone calls, I might only get a hold of one or two people. And so I need to make 100 calls to be able to get a hold of uh, five to 10 people. Now you're also a big coach, a life coach. So what is the most enjoyable part of coaching? And if anyone wants to join your coaching or wants to sign you for be a client of yours, how do your workshops operate? So I would say the most rewarding aspect of being a coach is seeing the progress people make and the accomplishments that follow and being able to come alongside someone, empower and encourage them and being a part of that impact that takes them to that next level. And so when we're doing workshops, uh, if it's with a corporation, it's basically just a deep dive into learning how to create a clarified calendar. And a clarified calendar is basically just being able to make sure that we're able to deflect distractions and protect your priorities. That's me and on so a shirt right there. Two D's like DD and then like yeah. on the bottom deflect distractions. I love it. Deflect distract. It's all about alliteration for me. It's super easy to remember things if I can make alliterations where it kind of sounds the same with the beginning of each word. But yeah, yeah. so we deep dive into how to create their own clarified calendar. Uh, we also deep dive into creating a purpose-filled plan. And the purpose-filled plan is essentially making sure that our thoughts, words, actions, relationships, and pursuits are all in alignment to help us be our best selves in all areas of our lives. And so whether it's a corporation, association, or an individual, uh, if they're interested in that, they can check out my website at jeffteresi.com and contact me and I'd be happy to discuss the options. All right. And I think people would do that for you. Check it out because he's great. Oh, thanks, Sam. I appreciate that. No problem. So I've heard recently you also graduated from Carlson School of Management. So what were your emotions when you learned that you got to graduate from Carlson School of Management? I was extremely excited and also relieved. Uh, going into college, I viewed it more as an obligation than an opportunity. And so I just wanted to get through it to get it done. I actually didn't really enjoy learning or the process. And so I unfortunately didn't make a ton of connections while I was there. Um, I struggled with uh, connecting with people a lot. And so unfortunately, I don't have a lot of connections from that time period. But I am extremely grateful that I was able to accomplish that goal. And it wasn't until after I graduated college that I began uh, learning for enjoyment. Wow, learning for enjoyment. Interesting. So was that like a program you started or? It was essentially committing to continual learning 
uh, one of the things I think a lot of people don't recognize is that a mentor doesn't have to meet with you for you to meet with them. And see, that's the beauty of a book, the power of a podcast, and the true value of a video. You can meet with a mentor whenever and as often as you like. And so figure out what you want to get better at, what you're inspired to learn about, and really dig deep into those things. Get excited about those topics. I was extremely focused on gratitude for so many years, and that's one of my favorite topics. And so I just study gratitude, and I was able to apply it to my life and teach it to others. In your intro, it's called The Beautiful Spectrum by yourself. So what were some of your inspirations while writing A Beautiful Spectrum? So while you were writing this poem, where did the inspirations come from? Where did the ideas come from? Because I listened to it, it's really cool, and I'm curious about it. Well, thank you. I would have to say, at the time I wrote it, I was just beginning to understand what being on the spectrum meant for me. And I wanted to be able to express that to others in a creative way. And so that was the most succinct way I could think of to do it. And it was also a way that hopefully destigmatizes being on the spectrum for a lot of people and just recognizing that, again, it's not a disability, it's just a different ability. It is not. I know we keep saying, but it is not a different ability. We might think differently. We see the world differently. There's tons of we blank the world's differently. We hear the world. I mean, I could fill that blank all day. I can even say we even smell the world differently. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Now in that poem, pick a favorite part. Go. Ooh, that's a good question. I would have to say it's the very end, just recognizing that everyone is different. All right. Yeah, because everyone is different. You're different with your hat on, and I'm different without any almost no hair. (laughs) <laughs> so that's the first difference, but why yeah. not celebrate it? Why, why don't we celebrate that hat or celebrate my barely hair? <laughs> it's very clean cut. I love it. And that's actually one of the things with being on the spectrum for me. I actually have to see it in front of me to be able to, to just pick out what line would be my favorite and uh, being able to recite it. I wouldn't be able to just recite the middle of it on. I'd have to start from the very beginning. And so that's one thing that I'm aware of that since I don't have it right in front of me, I know the gist of the poem, uh, but I know that the end really tied it together. It did tie in together. Now, oh, thank you. how did you learn you're going to be in the Hall of Fame Business Achiever? And what does that mean? Like, where did that come from? Like, how long has it been? Like, how did you learn you're going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame Business Achiever? And tell me about it. I learned about five years into my Cutco career that I was getting close to the milestone that very few people in the Cutco world actually obtain. For example, I'm, I'm so honored to be able to say that I'm number 15 all time for Cutco Cutlery's over 1.5 million salespeople in their plus 70 year history. And good job. Yeah, and so it's been an absolute blessing and I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to continue to maintain my over a thousand loyal clients and uh, be able to continue to provide them. I actually don't sell it residentially anymore. I actually specialize in closing and appreciation gifts for realtors, mortgage lenders, and business owners. If that answers your question about being in the uh, Hall of Fame Business Achiever. It does. Now, before we go to another break, I, I forgot to ask, with your Carlson School Management, did you have any shouts you wanted to give to the peers that you want that you had or have there or the teachers that you were taught by? Oh my gosh, I so wish I had specific names that I could shout out. But again, during that period of my life, unless they're continually in my life, it's extremely hard for me to remember anyone's name. Uh, is there anyone continuously in your life? Not there? specifically from my time at the college. 
Oh, okay. That's fine. All right. Thank now you we, for asking. <laughs> you're welcome. Now we do have to mute because we're going to hear about Donnie's Bells Built Automotive. Let's hear that one. Bells Built Automotive, towing and recovery in Salisbury, Indiana. Visit them today. Bells Built Automotive Towing and Recovery is owned and operated by Donnie Bell. Bell says that working on cars has always been a passion of his. Like me, he started by helping friends and family and now owns a thriving business. He treats each customer as family, giving them the best quality work. Whether it be exhaust work, brakes, shocks, or a simple oil change, Bell offers quality work. If you are ever broken down on the road, just let Bell know. He can tow you to the shop and get you back on the road. Bell's Built Automotive Towing and Recovery can be found at 12259 East Chapel Road in Salisbury, Indiana. You can reach these fine folks at 812-825-3220. You can also visit their website online at bellsbuiltautomotive.com. Bell's take cash, credit, and debit cards. Visit in person, online, or give them a call today. You will definitely not be sorry. All right, folks, are back. Yes, please check them out because that name at the end might ring a bell. Mr. Jeff, I'm curious, your blog on your website, what is it about exactly? And does it involve creative writing? So the blog specifically was created after I started the YouTube channel. I wanted to be able to have people that would prefer to read other than seeing a visual video be able to get the same benefit from the content. And so it's essentially just the YouTube video typed out. And I don't specifically have any videos on creative writing, but that's actually a great thing I could um, do in the future. Yeah, because that's what I do with my blog. I just write, I listen to music, and then whatever comes to my mind, I write down, just start typing away. That's awesome. You say you need some clarifying questions, so I will clarify it for you. So while we were talking in, during our pre-chat, you said in high school, you went along with it. So my question is, why did you? And as you say, go along with it. What is the it exactly? Oh, that's a great question. So in high school, I made a lot of people laugh unintentionally. And what I mean by that is they would ask me a question and my brain has a lot of random thoughts. And sometimes I'm not as good about filtering what to say. And so I would have an answer and it would seem so random. They would think that I was doing it on purpose and they would laugh. And instead of trying to correct them and feel foolish, I just went along with it as if it was intentional. And so I unintentionally became the class clown. And I actually ended up liking receiving that laughter to a point where I later on did some stand-up comedy competitions with my brother and friend uh, for a couple of years. Now, let's, now, who's funnier, your friend, your brother, or yourself? I would say my brother is the funniest. <laughs> my brother, Brian, and Steve, they're both hilarious. And uh, my friend, Anthony, uh, he'd be next. And and then I'd be I'd be coming coming last on the funny beat. Funny <laughs> try and press me, and then we'll try again, maybe, right? So now I'm curious, what advice would you give to a salesman or a saleswoman? Like just some sales advice who's in your position or trying to sell something else. I think it's incredibly important to, to be able to deal with that rejection. Recognize that it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And remembering that it is a numbers game. And the better you get at what you're doing, the easier it's going to be to be able to handle objections before they arise. And the less and less you'll hear no, and the more and more you'll start hearing yes. And so just hang in there. Know there's going to be tons of rejection. It's just part of the process. You know, I see your point, but I'm not going to say I disagree with that advice. I understand, but part of it, I, I disagree. I'm not going to be honest. I do disagree. Don't say if, say whens. 
because for me, to me, if I, you say when this happens to me, that's like arrogant, like when this happens, no, you don't know that. So come on, grow up and think of the other way too. You got to think both sides here. You got to think on your left side and your right side. You got to think if this happens, this will happen. If this happens, this will happen. Not when, because you don't know. It's not a guaranteed. It's not It's not a privilege. You I can respect your point of view on that. In my experience, anyone that's done sales for a certain amount of time will definitely experience rejection, in my experience. Right. And and I'm the type of guy who also says, I believe it when I see it. So I'm always that guy too. So that's kind of another reason why I don't say when this happens. Why is it important for, for people, in your opinion, to feel empowered? I think that if you want to accomplish anything, it begins with recognizing that you're able to do it in the first place. Uh, Because if you don't believe in yourself, you might as well quit before you start because failure has a funny way of becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. And if you don't believe in yourself, you're going to lack the confidence and courage needed to do what needs to be done. And so that empowerment gives you the courage to actually follow through and accomplish what you want to do. Right. And I'll be honest with you as well. I do say I'm a failure, but not with certain things. Like, Like I don't say I'm a failure, bingo and end of story mm-hmm. no i just say i just have the tendency to say i'm a failure in socializing with people oh uh, yeah that's great clarifying because yeah as an individual uh you don't want to put that on yourself it's not i'm a failure it's i failed at this specific action yeah, it's i'm a failure at cleaning the dishes yeah. you know yeah that's good that's doing great. the dishes you can't great clean the dishes can you <laughs> wow okay <laughs> so now i'm curious you said you were actually a Lovely, lovely husband and a father to a lovely child, I bet. And sometimes I bet this is hard for someone on the spectrum. So how does everyone feel about having a family member with autism? What's your experience as an autistic father, I should say? So I think my wife helps me tremendously as far as the deficiencies of if I don't recognize something that needs to be done. She's able to let me know like, hey, you know what? You haven't changed in the diaper in a while. Does that diaper need to be changed? I can say, oh, no, actually, I did check it or I just changed it. Or you know what? Thank you for bringing that up. I actually should go ahead and, and change your diaper now. Or an example would be putting the baby down for a nap. Um, it's a really good reminder for me to make sure there's absolutely nothing on the sides of the rail because that could be a problem if it fell into the crib. And so just having her remind me that, all right, we need to make sure that there's nothing on the rims of the crib. But I would say as far as having autism um, helps me, I'm able to be extremely focused on my daughter when I have time with her. And um, she's the center of my world. When I learned I had autism, I was able to tell my family. And at first they weren't quite sure uh, what that meant. And their initial response was, oh, that's just Jeff being Jeff. But what they didn't recognize is a lot of the Jeff being Jeff was actually uh, Jeff being on the spectrum. And so once we clarified what that actually meant, uh, they were extremely receiving and very supportive. Yeah. And I'm glad they are. Now, what what are some of their strategies? How do they help you? And when you're having some autistic moment? I think I noticed a huge change in the way that my mother and father-in-law communicated with me because all of a sudden they understood that the way they were communicating with me before probably wasn't the best way for us to communicate. And so they were very intentional about how they were saying things and allowing me to ask lots of clarifying questions and uh, going with the flow. Now, these are just for for fun. 
Jeff, so don't worry about like it's not display. They're just for fun, really. So the first yeah. one is, what is your paradise meal, and why is it your favorite or your favorite food? Should say. I would say uh, Chinese food is my favorite, just because there's so many different flavors and options there. But I would have to say I love tofu mango fried rice because um, it's just so many different flavors. I also like uh, burrito bowls for the same reason. And what was the other question? Why? Why? Why, why is it your favorite? Oh yes, yeah, because yeah, of all the all the all the wonderful flavors. All the wonderful flavors. You like it mixed. You like all, I like variety. Yeah, you like the, all the elements of the food: the hot, the salt, the sweet, the spicy. You like it all. Yep, I actually am not very good with spicy foods. Um, I like spicy chips on occasion, but yeah, I just love love all the sweet and sour and nice. <laughs> so, what is your favorite movie or TV show, and why do you like it? I would say my two favorite movies are Avatar and the shack just because one it's just so visually stunning it's its own world and it's so thrilling and a really great story and the shack it has to do with a lot of really cool concepts with faith and it's just really well done it actually happens to have the same uh, main actor in it and my favorite tv show i would say is the Impractical Jokers. I'm not sure if you're familiar with yep, that. Yeah, that's one, one of my all. favorites. It's one of awesome. my favorites too. <laughs> Who's your favorite Joker? I like Sal the best. <laughs> uh, no, it's Joe for me. Oh, Joe. Okay. Yeah. Joe is the best. He's too, the reason why he's so he you you tell him what to do, he'll do it. He doesn't care. And I like Larry. The fact. Yep. <laughs> Larry. Yeah. Nom, nom, nom. Yeah. Joe is awesome too. <laughs> he has no shame, and I love that about him. Now I like yeah. Q's personality. I'm not gonna lie. I do like Q's personality, but. As far as humor, I between them, it's Joe. But Q has an okay. amazing personality. I love Q too. Yeah, they they really feed off each other. They really do. Now, what has been your favorite vacation that you have ever taken? And why did you enjoy that vacation very much? You could be with your family, your parents, anyone, just by you, your call, your choice on the vacation. So in 2012, I got married in Ireland and it was immaculate. I don't know if you've ever been to Ireland, but it's my favorite kind of weather just tons of different greens and uh, drizzling rain. And it just feels perfect. I, I absolutely loved Ireland. Were there a lot of kilts? I bet there was a lot Actually, of no, there weren't a lot of kilts, surprisingly. But I felt at home there with the red hair. A lot of people think that I'm Irish, but I'm actually not. My wife is Irish. You might be, though, if your ancestors. Oh, there, yeah, there might. Yep, my ancestors way back when somewhere. Mm-hmm. Are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? Now, before you answer, I always like to answer with a good memory that just made you feel good and tell us like a funny memory that made you fall on the floor or just a good funny story and that's your call you want to answer them <laughs> so i would say most recently it was finding out that my wife was pregnant and being able to record that reaction and then later on being able to call all of our friends and family and record their reactions because we actually were trying for seven years and so um, Irie Lynn is our miracle baby. And during the pregnancy, my wife had so many laugh attacks. I actually recorded them and compiled the best pregnant uh, woman's laugh attacks montage on a YouTube video. And so that's actually the most popular one that I created. And so just being able to see memory after memory of her not being able to stop laughing just brings a smile to my face. It does. That's good. Do you know why she was laughing or could you not figure it out? There were uh, quite a few different reasons she was laughing. One reason she was laughing during one of the times was that 
I thought it would be a nice nightcap to have an alcoholic drink. And so we didn't have anything to mix with the alcohol except some prune juice. And so I used prune juice as the mixer. And I didn't think to myself that prune juice also makes it very easy to go to the bathroom later. And so my wife found that absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yeah, oops, nope, no, don't put the prune juice in, whatever you do next. <laughs> uh, yes, that actually reminds me of another story when I was uh, going on a trip, my grandma had uh, given me a bunch of uh, peaches and I didn't want them to go bad. And so I ate three peaches before I got on the plane and I ended up, yeah, having to be in the restroom of the plane for half of the flight. Wow. But I got to admit, peaches were pretty good. Those peaches were awesome, I bet. They were. I love you, Alex, and that's awesome. Yep. Peaches are awesome. That's my favorite fruit is the reason why. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. If you get a nice, nice peach, it's so flavorful. Oh, it is. Peach and pineapple. It's a tie between those two. Mm-hmm. I love fruit. Me too. Well, Jeff, I think that's all. Is there anything you want to promote before we head out or anything, any closing remarks? Yeah, I'd love to stay connected with anyone that would be interested in learning more. Just check out my website at jeffteresi.com. You can also purchase the book. There's a link to Amazon. And then definitely check out the YouTube channel. Uh, You can sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is a link to the YouTube videos. And yeah, I'd love to stay connected with you, Sam. And and hopefully we can collaborate down the road. Well, thank you, Mr. Jeff. And I am so glad you got to do this. And have a great day. Thanks. You too, Sam. Thanks for joining for this episode. Please join for another episode coming very soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. <laughs>